Hey, welcome into the Marketer's Best Friend. We're back for another episode, this time with Jason Wilson. Jason Wilson is currently the Senior Vice President of Strategy and Operations at Strategy Labs and has a long history in marketing, was a marketing manager at Amazon, then Director of Marketing at Overstock, Vice President of Media at MRM, and now at Strategy Labs. Jason, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, Jason, we're excited to have you on the show. We're four episodes in to the podcast, so still kind of getting off the ground. Have had a lot of different voices here. I think your your voice in particular, kind of digging into the problems you've been able to solve over your career, is looking from there, there's so many different angles. I mean, from your experience at Amazon and then going to Overstock. And you, I, remember, I was thinking back to the days when, you know, you and I were commuting into Seattle, just like way back. And you had this insane commute into Seattle. I remember you telling me, you know, what, what was it like two hour, two and a half hours plus like a two boat rides. Is that right? Yeah. So it was, um, it was like planes, trains and automobiles. So it was, uh, yeah, I would drive down to, uh, kind of the, uh, the water there. I would take a foot ferry over to this other bigger ferry that would take me into Seattle. Then I would have to take a bus to the office. And so, yeah, it was like a, a two hour, I think, uh, commute one way um, from like door to door. Yeah. But what was nice is during that time I was getting my master's degree. So I, I had plenty of time to work on papers and, and do research and, and all of that. So I, I feel like I, I made good use of it, I suppose. Getting marketing master's degree on the boat as you're commuting <laughs> to the agency. <laughs> yeah, it was. And I, w- I will say like, I don't know. I don't miss the um, the difficulty and the like trying to time it all right and whatever. But like, there's nothing like starting your morning on this like quiet boat going through Puget Sound with like orca whales like next to you, like the fog rolling in, the sun coming up. It was like, it's a great way to to start the day, so I don't I don't complain that much. That is fair. That is fair. I mean, the commute's a little easier when when it's that boat ride and the Puget Sound. Well, mm-hmm. well, Jason, I mean, you were there obviously at you know you were at Razorfish and then um, and then afterwards uh, went to Amazon. I mean, and now you're you're in the senior vice president role. Question I like to start off with is what are what are the biggest changes that you've seen like in term in digital marketing over the past you know ten plus years that you've been in what are the problems that are still here like that 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 marketers and companies are still trying to solve from a digital marketing standpoint what have they solved and kind of what's changed let's we'll just start there and then we'll kind of break off from that yeah so great question I think interestingly enough like and this is a great kind of segue from uh kind of the commute and getting my master's i wrote my master's thesis on like big data and social media right so like how do, how do you kind of leverage big big data and kind of the the all of the uh um kind of segmentation and data points that we have on all of these consumers and then leverage it on a platform such as social media which is like uh has to be done quickly uh, you know, it, there's there's kind of this, um, you have to be sort of like um, in the ethos of what's going on and all of that. And so like, how do you kind of bridge that gap, right? Because uh, especially when I wrote it, uh, you know, close to 10 years ago, um, it was like big data, it took a long time, right? You had to like gather all these data points up, you had to like uh, do all these different SQL queries, you had to like pull it, you had to manipulate it, you had to then like gather insights and then pass those along to the marketers who then have to like, okay, how do we kind of scale up and and kind of action off of all this data and so forth. And so I feel like 
we have made some kind of as an industry, like we've made some progress in that regard, but I also feel like there's, um, we're still struggling with, um, like, uh, how do I say this? We're struggling with kind of now we've like over-rotated, right? So like now we're so dependent upon kind of data and the algorithms and so forth that we're kind of losing touch, so to speak, sometimes with with the customers. And um, and so I think that that's sort of a problem that that still exists is like, I think you've seen great strides when it comes to like, um, like dynamic creative optimization. So we can create like uh, several different types of creative at scale. But like when it comes to problems like attribution and so forth, like we have all this data, but sometimes we don't know, you know, what to do with it or how to properly uh, you know, slice and dice it and so forth. Interesting over, over rotation. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely seen that. I think, you know, word that continues to come up. In fact, just the other day was at a lunch with, with a marketing ops guy, great guy. And he just brought up like, Oh yeah, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're hoping to go get, um, you know, our, our single source of truth database set up and we're going to have all the analytics. And it's like that phrase that conversation i've had that conversation literally probably 27 times over the last mm-hmm. 10 years so it's like both ends where you have um you know you have on the far end where you have these insane just stacked analytics architecture with every data point imaginable and like the biggest testing framework that you can imagine with with every single thing you could ever want with you know four different attribution models and then you still have you know people trying to pursue this sometimes at the expense of actually, you know, getting, actually getting anything done when it comes to marketing. Curious of your, I mean, I know at Overstock in particular, they are massively dedicated to analytics, to data optimization, testing. Let's dig into your time there. Tell me about, you know, some of the things that they did from a data analytics perspective that were really successful. And then maybe other things that, you know, maybe, didn't pan out the way that maybe you would have expected or a marketer might have expected in like, you know, what you would say is a really highly sophisticated data environment, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, happy to to dive in there. So I think what's interesting about my time there, I, I feel like I look at it as almost like, uh, almost like getting another degree, right? So like I worked with uh, some of the most incredibly intelligent uh, um, uh, like academically rigorous uh, analytics folks that I think I've ever like encountered in my career. And I learned so much from them. And sometimes we kind of, you know, I, there's things that I wanted to do from a marketing perspective and they wanted to be perhaps like too academic in like the setup and, you know, wanted this sort of like perfect near like uh laboratory-like environment in which to do testing and and that kind of didn't always pan out but like some of the discussions that we got into and some of the like uh i i just look back on with such with such fond memories that i learned such an incredible uh, amount from them um and yeah uh so some of the things that the i would say the biggest um kind of challenge that we had and and the sort of um uh, the portion of the company that I, that I sort of managed was um, a lot of the things that were very difficult to attribute value to, right? So it was organic social media, paid social media, display, uh, brand advertising, like television and so forth. So like, it was a lot of this, like, how do we prove value? And so 
um, looking at questions of like incrementality, looking at questions of attribution. Uh, we did like media mix modeling, all of those sorts of things. And um, the idea behind <clears throat> what we kind of found out or, or sort of the consensus was like all of these are just like a different flavor of wrong, right? So like, what is the most palatable flavor of incorrect that we can tolerate, right? And so uh, we looked at all of them and, and eventually what we kind of did was create this model where we're like triangulating some kind of, you know, um, what is an approximate uh, um, idea of what is correct and, and so forth um, based on all of these different, um, all of these different outputs from all of these different models. And I feel like that was kind of a big, you know, pivotal moment in kind of how we took a look at marketing was um, not necessarily having this single source of, source of truth, but rather like, you know, doing incrementality tests, having an attribution partner, having a media mix model, um, having sort of an internal kind of last click attribution model, um, bringing all of these things together and then, creating a kind of joint consensus and triangulation of where the, you know, uh, uh, approximate performance is of the company. And I think that that was tremendously helpful. And I mean, it, once you had all that, I mean, cause this is like, you know, leaps and bounds above, I think where a lot of people who listen to this and, and a lot of marketers are, I mean, some, some marketers that I talk to are definitely really sophisticated. Some not, not quite as much this, I mean, what you're describing is is very, very sophisticated. What actions or what advantages were you able to take once you had that in place and you kind of come had come to those conclusions? Like what tangible value from a marketing standpoint were you able to gather from that? Yeah, what it allowed us to do, I don't know if it necessarily was like we found some kind of massive epiphany, right? Or like some cohort that we were like, oh, we, we were neglecting this cohort and let us go market to them or or something like that. But what it opened up was a lot more latitude in channels that were otherwise very difficult to sort of attribute value to, right? So things like television, things like social, like it allowed us, it gave us a model to say like, look leadership and, and finance and so forth. Like here's our way to say like this works. And it gave them almost this like, you know, um, it was like a comfort blanket <laughs> for them, right? Where they're like, okay, this helps us sleep at night. And so like, yes, you can go kind of go do what you need to do from a, from a marketing perspective. And so that I think was the, the real tremendous value was it wasn't like we were, we didn't have to constantly sing for our supper in order to kind of get, um, you know, get the programs and the campaigns and the, you know, marketing initiatives, you know, out the door uh, like we used to. So that was, I think, a big sort of step function change for the organization. So measure the ability to measure impact, I guess, you know, through but through a lot of different ways, like it wasn't one, some one silver bullet, right? Mm -hmm. For sure. And, and I think it was sort of like making sure that each of them, um, you know, there's the old kind of saying like, um, you know, uh, you don't want to measure kind of the effectiveness of a, a fish. What's the saying? Like a fish, uh, fish's ability to climb a tree or a monkey's ability to breathe underwater. Right. So like, and I think that that's where we were looking at, um, you know, this sort of like one size fits all kind of model. And I feel like it was leaving a lot of these channels cold, right? Particularly social and brand advertising and television and so forth. And so um, that's where it sort of, uh, it, like I said, it allowed us the latitude to kind of get into some more interesting 
things that were otherwise very difficult to measure. Yeah, that's awesome. No, I love that. I mean, no, I think I think there's still there's still to this day the the conversation that I you know I continue to see it on LinkedIn, and there's been some you know dissension dissent voices, especially like in the B two B space when it comes to attribution, right, and and the conversation around that. I think you're the example you just gave, and and you know your story you just walked us through is is awesome for people to see because you know that level of sophistication when you really do have you've got all the attribution model. I mean, you have everything in place. It's still just a signal that's giving you direction so you can go make some better decisions. It's not this silver bullet that's like dramatically, it's it's not revealing every single thing. You know, it's not the marketer's dream that's going to make their life like so incredibly easy. So no, I, I love to hear that. Um, What changes have you, I mean, you've now since obviously moved on from Overstock, maybe move to maybe some, I would guess if I had to take a guess, I'm, I'm guessing probably a little bit less sophisticated knowing the, the, the sheer volume of analytical and data science resources that Overstock has. How has your, uh, approach changed as you moved into new roles? Like how have you adapted or how have you kind of looking back at your time at Overstock, how have you changed or adjusted or how are you thinking about things now today? Yeah, yeah. Um, so what's I think it's kind of fun to be honest because I, I feel like I had such a you know, uh, for lack of a better term, like a world class education in some of this stuff during my time, and I would say even during my time at Amazon um, as well. Uh, where like now it's like it's really fun because I get to bring that to bear, uh, you know, and, and bring those kind of insights and these methodologies and so forth to uh, a more uh, broad set of clients, right? And so, like, I get to help them, and it's really fun to have these conversations and do, um, you know, kind of dive into to some of the, these conversations and and help them. And I think what's what's interesting as well is that some of this technology, um, when it comes to like incrementality testing and attribution in particular, the barrier to entry is so low that like it's starting to open up like beyond just sort of these massive kind of big enterprise clients like. Uh, Amazon and Overstock, where like a lot of these sort of even mid-tier businesses can can start dabbling and have these conversations and um, start putting together these models and again, opening up more kind of opportunity for them to expand their marketing efforts and, and so forth. And so I think it's a really, um, it's a really interesting time. Uh, and I think what is also interesting is I think a lot of, uh, you mentioned kind of the, um, the attribution conversations on LinkedIn and some of the naysayers and so forth. I feel like people are kind of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of growing cold, right. With this conversation of attribution. And I think what's, what that is helping is some of these, you know, mid-tier businesses um, kind of learn from these mistakes or kind of over rotating and investing a ton into these, you know, big measurement partners when they really, don't necessarily need to do that, that, you know, kind of diving into the data they have and, you know, having um, good enough be good enough is really leading them to making some like real impactful decisions in their business. Yeah. I mean, it's not the sexiest answer that people want to hear. I feel like it's all, (laughs) it's always all extremes. It's like, get rid of it a hundred percent. It's dead. Like it's completely broken. It's like, no, not real. I mean, it's, it's a signal like, like everything Mm -hmm. else. It's a signal that you can use that can provide some value, but at the same time, it's also not a silver bullet that's going to change your life. 
Um, well, and the way I look at it is like, I look at it like a, um, I, I use this example when I was trying to describe it um, to, uh, while I was actually in Overstock, like uh, if you think of like a picture, right? Like doing an incrementality test is like a high def, you know, 200 megapixel. Like it gives you this like clear snapshot in time, but it gives you like a lot of data and, and a good direction of like what's happening at that moment. And I feel like attribution is almost this like um, like low grade like low res like GIF, right? It's like gives a little bit of movement. You see like a little bit of stuff going on. Um, it's not as crisp and clear, but you can kind of see like directional or directionally like how things are going or like what you might be looking at. And so um, I think that's sort of the perspective like that you should have is like, look, attribution should be kind of this like guardrail. Like we don't want to, you know, it's it's not a great model perhaps, but it like keeps us on, you know, the path that we think we want our business to go and gives us general kind of, you know, finger to the wind understanding of, of our marketing performance. But like incrementality usually gives you like, okay, this is a lot uh, more precise uh, measurement of, of our effectiveness. What pitfalls can you point out like to, you know, to people listening if they are kind of diving in and starting to get more sophisticated, maybe they've finally got access to an analytics team. Maybe they've got, you know, technology that's providing like more advanced measurement, any pitfalls maybe that you can point out that would help people navigate those waters more effectively. Cause I think that's a critical conversation. Yeah. Again, I think it's just sort of understanding like, uh, you know, the old saying, and I'll, I'll be mixing metaphors probably throughout this, this podcast. Cause that's, that's what I do. Um, but like, you know, there's, there's another saying of like, you know, when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And sometimes they like buy into this very particular, like whether it's Google analytics or, you know, Adobe analytics or whatever, they have some kind of platform that they're like, this is, I'm all in on this and whatever this can do, you know, then we'll kind of match our marketing program to that particular platform. And, and my kind of advice or my perspective is like, start with the, kind of the problem first and then work the solution backwards, right? So like making sure that you're, um, you know, you're, you're analyzing those things uh, properly and, and, and using the right tool for the right job, basically. Um, the other thing I would mention is like uh, trying to work the, um, whether, whether it's uh, attribution or incrementality, I think the other pitfall is, um, kind of ripping up the flower to see if the roots are growing, right? Like where you are halting, I can't tell you how many times we have had, uh, and, and I've done this in marketing campaigns that I've uh, been a part of where it's like, well, we have to, we're doing an incrementality test or we're doing some kind of um, some kind of testing. So we can't touch, we can't optimize, we can't like move anything because that will throw off the results of the test. And I feel like um, that can be a, a general pitfall, right? Where you're like, you're not even really marketing now anymore. You're just trying to keep the status quo for so long that like, um, you know, you just to make sure the results are pristine that like, uh, you know, you, you're actually, uh, it becomes detrimental to your business. Yeah, it's one of the things we, I mean, one of the things that we're really trying to do, at I mean, data join, I've just been here over the past month, like the big thing that we're trying to do with our product is we're, and we're building out kind of the initial phases, like just barely seed funded and kind of building this out is how do we reduce like the friction between um, like marketers, their technology and actually like doing marketing. 
because <laughs> I, <laughs> I feel like the technology gets, and there's so much great tech out there that, you know, does these incredible things and it does, you know, it, it, at least it gets touted and marketed and sold as like, look at all these incredible things you can do. But man, I feel, from what I observe out of the industry, it feels like a lot of the time the technology just gets in the way from marketers doing what they actually do best, which is, you know, craft great messaging and, you know, create great branding and, you know, think up ideas that they can test and experiment on that could have, you know, these insane, super high upsides, but like the technology, like bogs, bogs everything down and makes it heavy and makes it laborious and makes things slow. Um, so anyways, yeah, I mean, this is something we're, we're trying to help solve for marketers as you've moved Jason kind of now in, in your role, I mean, obviously you're in an agency now, like what recommendations are you making to clients, if any, when it comes to like the technology that they should be using, things that they should be thinking about, maybe technology that they should stop using anything that you're kind of talking to clients about that that's helping them in that realm. I'd, I'd love to hear about. Yeah, I think people ought to be, so there's two kind of things that I think need to be sort of counterbalanced against each other, right? Like, for instance, I think Google Analytics is a tremendous tool. I think it, uh, you know, I think there's a lot to like about how they've set it up. It's easy to use. There's a lot there. Um, but like, there is also this fear of sort of like, if you're running a lot of Google campaigns and then using Google Analytics, like, are they grading their own homework, right? The, the other thing, though, is I think you can also fall into the other side of the trap of like, um, you know, buying all of this, uh, this robust data technology stack, and then having it not kind of speak well with each other, or to your point, like it just you get so bogged down in kind of the setup and APIs get updated and this, you know, dashboard breaks and that kind of stuff. So that now you have to hire like a whole team dedicated to just like the management of it. And it becomes this sort of extra headache where now being incredibly data-driven, this sounds probably near blasphemy, but I'm like, I'm willing to bet, like I almost want a horse race, like getting a very sophisticated marketer and let him like manage a campaign completely blind with no data versus someone who has this like very robust tech stack. And I, I'm curious like what those, you know, what the gains might be, right? And, and where the process loss is of kind of managing a lot of that. And so I think that's sort of, again, the the pitfall in terms of like, very specific platforms. Um, I don't necessarily have like, oh, this is like, you know, like you mentioned, sort of the silver bullet. But what I have noticed is, um, you know, the platforms where we are buying media uh, within a lot of kind of the walled gardens and so forth are becoming so sophisticated in kind of the data and so forth that they provide just sort of within the platform that for a lot of businesses that takes them 90% of the way home, right? Like, and then kind of figuring out and being just very judicious with the programs and things that they're kind of augmenting that with um, and and making sure again, that they kind of talk well together, I think is is probably paramount. No, I mean, you bring up a a critical point. I mean, it's it's a tricky balance to divide, at least from what I've uh, I've observed, right? It's where the more technology you have, you know, it's likely that, what you have is probably not communicating very, very well with each other. And so it's that, you know, balance of, okay, if you are going to have technology, well, you better have in place like the resources and the plan of how you're going to unify it, how you're going to get it to talk to each other. 
And I feel like a lot of teams, you know, a lot of teams that we talk to just struggle with this. They have all these great tools, but they can't get them to talk to each other. And so they end up building these silos kind of built around the specific tool set rather than like a goal or like a marketing strategy or, or a tactic that they're trying to pursue where it's like, this is the, you know, for example, the one we see all the time is this is like, you know, the email team, like the marketing automation team. And essentially all they do is emails. Right. And so it doesn't synergize with any of the other tactics or goals that are taking place in the organization because that data is, you know, they can't, nobody else in the org can activate or tie out to the activities and the data that they're producing. Um, so I see it as a big challenge. Let's talk about Jason. I'm, I'm, we've talked a lot about kind of the reporting analytics side of things. Another big conversation point in marketing personalization, another kind of mystical animal that gets talked about alongside attribution. I feel like on the reporting side, it's all about attribution on the activation side. It's all about personalization, you know, individualizing every single piece of content, every engagement, help us parse the truth. I mean, I think your experience, what, what are brands or what have you been able to do, you know, truthfully, practically when it comes to personalization, segmentation, what have you found that actually works and what's kind of realistic for marketers to pursue when it comes to personalization? Yeah, great question. So I have looked at several different kind of quote unquote personalization tools, um, and, and I have, um, there's something that I've kind of, uh, a framework that I've sort of put together, particularly when it comes to personalization, uh, when I was at Overstock and it's something I affectionately refer to, and I, I need to wordsmith this or workshop it a little bit, but the, the four eyes of personalization, right? So they're identity, uh, intent, interest, and intelligence. And so my kind of perspective is whenever I'm looking at some kind of personalization solution and, and including both Facebook and Google, like I'm looking at it in the lens of that framework, right? So like, what is the identity data that they have? And arguably like Facebook and Google probably have the best ID graphs like out there. Cause if you have to, if you're going to personalize, you have to know who you're personalizing to. You have to know who the person is in order to first personalize. So like how robust is, uh, the identity graph. And then two is intent, right? Like what intent signals are they using to figure out like how they're personalizing? Um, again, I think Facebook and Google, like searching in Google is near like perfect intent, right? Like the, you know exactly what the user is looking for. And so like what kind of intent signals do they have? Uh, the third is interest, right? And I think that that is like similar to intent, but like how are you making like the messaging interesting, right? Like how are you piquing their interest based on their identity and their intent? And then the last is intelligence and like, are you, what kind of uh, machine learning and AI and whatever are you using to kind of augment those, those other three and how are you improving those other three? And so that's kind of the, when I look at the different solutions, when I look at the different kind of products out there in the market, it's like, it's that framework that I'm looking to to analyze that. I, I know that there's a lot of, um, the other thing I would say is it depends in terms of like how effective those are. It depends on your end goal. I feel like a lot of, uh, I've run like a lot of lead gen campaigns and things like that. Very difficult in terms of personalization. I think when it comes to like retail and e-commerce, I think that they've got a lot of that personalization, a lot of the programs, a lot of the folks I've worked with, a lot of the technology, I think they've got that down pretty well. 
Um, and so I think that, again, it's, it's one of those things. It's not like a one size fits all. No, that's a great point. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I, my last job before this, I worked with Franklin sports and they're obviously like, I have a big direct consumer arm and, and, um, they, you know, had a CDP and were executing personalization. But I think one of the misconceptions out there is that personalization is this like insane cacophony of, you know, hundreds of different pieces of content that are like unique, uniquely individualized to every single person. And like you could, that you can have, you know, hundreds of different, you know, based on the hundreds of different data points that you have on every person, you have all this different, you know, messaging that, that caters to them. I think the reality is probably something closer to, you know, you have segmentation, you have buckets that you can place people in. And then depending on how much content your team can create, there's that like effort and, and uh, amount of work that goes into that from a marketing standpoint, if you can align those up and then you kind of use data to line those up with the content that you're able to create. Um, no, I think, I think it's easy for, again, just like with attribution, people get caught up in these terms as if they're going to be these silver bullets. But the reality I think is much closer to, you know, something more practical, like, like you just talked about, like, you know, for example, on the retail side, you know, like bucketing based on, you know, what types of products people are interested in or, you know, high intent activities and things like that. Yeah. And I've, I've seen both kind of, um, I've seen people who are like breaking it down by like geo and then breaking it down by, you know, uh, category and subcategory and product. And, and what you have then is these like, you know, 200 different permutations of, of basically the same campaign. And then I've seen others where you are and you're trying to optimize and, you know, push buttons and turn knobs like for every single one of those campaigns. And what I've also seen is just sort of like letting, you know, again, based on those, the, the, uh, uh, this, the, um, what's the word I'm looking for, kind of the sophistication of those sort of four areas of the product that you're using. Um, you know, I've seen people just sort of like, Hey, I'm going to build one campaign and I'm going to let, you know, all of this other technology kind of uh, do that. And I feel, or, you know, kind of optimize on my behalf. And I feel like I've seen much more success in the latter, right? Where you, you're kind of, you're not trying to force function a lot of stuff. You're letting the machine learning, you're letting the AI and so forth kind of make a lot of that decisioning. The question is how many kind of permutations are you uh, allowing it or building up front, right? Are you creating, uh, and I feel like that's where e-commerce comes into play, right? Because you can build, you know, 10 different kind of uh, taglines or something like that, but you can have those, um, you know, uh, featuring your entire catalog, right? So then it's, you're now creating 10,000 different permutations of the ad that you can, then it does allow it to personalize and, and so forth. And so, um, yeah, but again, I've seen other kind of, you know, it might be like a lead gen or a B2B where it's like that kind of stuff, you know, uh, it breaks down or it's not as effective. That's great. I mean, that's great insight. I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, my suggestion always when I'm talking to people about personalization is, is start small, right? Like be practical mm -hmm. about it, uh, like be practical. And, and, and you can really only personalize to the extent that you can create content that you can personalize. With. <laughs> right. Uh, so, right. Um, yeah. Hire a lot of designers. That's yeah. My, I mean, if you, if, you got a, if you want to personalize, if you've got a design army, like that's kind of step one. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Jason, what are the, some of the biggest, and I think we can end on this conversation. What are the, some of the biggest marketing challenges that you see kind of are the biggest 
you know, that what are the things that keep you up at night as a marketer? What are the things that still kind of bother you or problems that are out there kind of in the industry that you think about all, a lot or, you know, kind of that you're passionate about and trying to figure out how to solve anything that you could share like in that, I'd, you know, I think we've heard some different perspectives on, on the show. I would love to get your perspective on kind of what are the big issues and any thoughts on maybe how to solve those or, or thoughts on potential solutions? Yeah, great question. So I think that I, I would say perhaps twofold. I think number one is like um, just kind of getting back to the agency side. Obviously, a lot of kind of my career was spent in in like paid and organic social and so forth. And looking at a lot of these, as I'm kind of talking to, you know, um, sort of uh, local and medium sized businesses, just kind of understanding um, a lot of the um, I'm trying to say this in a tactful way, but like there's so many like snake oil salesmen out there kind of selling a lot of like social and TikTok and that kind of stuff. And you see a lot of folks who are like, you know, really concerned about their business. They want to drive it forward or whatever, but they just don't know uh, what they don't know. And and kind of seeing a lot of that, a lot of folks kind of, um, or they've been taken advantage of or whatever. And so I think that that's something that, I don't know, uh, not like I was in an ivory tower kind of, you know, previously, but just like not being kind of exposed to that. And, and that's sort of something that is, you know, at least somewhat troubling. Um, and again, I don't know what the solution is of that other than things like this, right? Podcasts and, you know, YouTube videos and so forth, like getting kind of the word out or yeah, educating some of these folks um, to kind of help them sort of differentiate. Between and you're, those and you're speaking to the specific issue of like, you know, there's so many agencies out there that yeah. they'll just go, oh, I need to be on TikTok or I need to be on LinkedIn and they'll just throw crap on the wall and kind of see what sticks like they don't really know what they're doing but they're taking advantage of the wave right right or or rather even like um you know it's a you know uh, i've got i'm a you know mom and pop shop i'm a plumber i've got like 10 locations you know whatever and i know that i should be on tiktok because you know my teenage daughters tell me i should and so like let me go try this out and let me give you know, some agency $10,000 to do it. And like with no metrics or KPIs or anything like that, it's just kind of, yeah. And so that's, that I think is, you know, again, I, um, something that I'm generally in the sort of marketing industry that, I, that I'm seeing that is sort of keeping me up at night. But um, I would say from a business perspective as well, one of the challenges uh, is again, kind of in terms of, um uh, kind of attribution and some of those lines is like making sure that we are, how do I say this? So, you know, in attribution, I think that the mistake that's made it uh, is trying to bring, like getting a sale and then trying to bring forward the kind of the touch points that, that affected that sale. And I think the, the better approach or, or the thing that we are kind of working through or, or, hopefully what we're trying to influence as an industry is like doing it the opposite way and saying like, okay, if this is your sale, like let's move it upwards towards the leading indicator so that you can price more appropriately the click that you need or the visit to your website or the add to cart or the whatever. So you can like figure out the customer journey and then price uh, or assign value to those actions that are more meaningful rather than try to figure it all out at the end. And so um, that's again something that we uh, that we're uh, that we're trying to lead the charge on and and work really closely with with our partners on. 
That's super interesting. No, I, I love that perspective of kind of extracting. I mean, I think to your point, a lot of marketers, a lot of teams out there are thinking of like, oh, we need to gather every single touch point, like you said, up to the sale instead of thinking about, well, what are the, the specific, it's like you said earlier, you know, uh, the specific tool for the right use case, thinking about, you know, the individual metrics that will determine the success of the various activities that you're doing in the marketing org. So instead of trying to tie every single thing up to, you know, one data point, uh, I don't know, a closed sale or a purchase or whatever, thinking about those activities kind of on their own. And I think we were talking about this earlier, Jason, the money ball approach, right? Your on-base mm-hmm. percentage. I think that's a great analogy for kind of those different activities, just because, you know, the old adage is that there's so much value that marketing provides that lives, that cannot, that, that can't be attributed one-to-one maybe with, you know, the ultimate metric, whatever that is like closed deal or revenue. But to your point, you know, you could build an array of things that can indicate, Hey, we're moving in the right direction. And one of the things I love that I'm seeing out in the industry is some of that, what you just said, but then at the end later on kind of taking a longer term, maybe even a quarterly or even an annual view of like, okay, here's all the activities that we did. Here's the money that we invested. Here's how it's impacting the long tail of the business, which I think is just a much, much better, more nuanced way to look at things. So Yeah, 100%. Well, Jason, thank you so much for your time. Um, Fascinating conversation. This has been another episode of of The Marketer's Best Friend. We're talking every week to people like Jason, experts in marketing, marketing technology, um, and talking to them to, to help marketers get the maximum value out of tech, out of analytics, out of data. Uh, Tune in weekly to hear from more people like Jason. Jason, thank you so much for coming on the show. And to everyone listening, we appreciate you. Thank you so much and have a great day.